Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love. If you're ready to change your life, your finances, and your love life, hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you. This is season two of Crazy Juicy Love. Why hiring a coach will change your life. All right, guys, so welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, and I'm so excited for this man in front of me, Mike Savage, uh, a core coach, wealth management coach, worked with Tony Robbins. I am, like, so fired up. I, you know, had the privilege of being in his presence about a year ago um, at this event called The Taste of Tony, and he led it, and it was just like... Like for me, one of like the pinnacle things that really lit some fire under my ass. And also too, you you don't have to be unapologetic of who you are. You can curse, say whatever you want to say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm like a huge fan of his, you know, Tony's work and just like by you just like, just presenting this whole these like this really tiny little workbook, but like that created so much. Did you actually put that workbook together? I did. It's, obviously, it's from a library of, of Tony's work for years, right. but um, that was put together for the workshop. All of those are customized. So yeah. Yeah, put it together to, to lead everybody through that day. So first of all, like, how did you even get into coaching? Like, did you know you were a coach? Because like, for me, coaching just kind of like discovered me. And I'm just always curious of like, how like most people don't even know when you say I'm a coach, you're like, oh, you coach football, little league, <laughs> you know. Oh. Like, so how did you even get into being a coach? That's an interesting question. And and to speak to what you just said, most people that are professional coaches, if you ask them, did coaching find you? Their answer is going to be yes. Uh, <laughs> right. We were we were coaching our friends in elementary school. Right. <laughs> we were the guy that everybody came to for conversation in mm. junior high and high school. We were the common sense. We asked more questions. We gave information. Right. And and for me, um, I think there was a natural piece of me that did that. And, mm. and to this day, I'm friends with probably thirty or forty people that I went through high school with. We've all stayed oh, really wow. well connected. <laughs> and I'm still that guy for sometimes. Wow. Um, but I found Tony when I was a kid. I was I was 14 years old and I won a ticket to a Tony Robbins event. Oh, you did? And I did. <laughs> I, I won a ticket. And uh, I went. I had no clue who he was. And my parents didn't really know, in all honesty. But I had such a good time. And I thought, man, this guy's smart. And um, I, I was able to, to hang out with some folks that lived in my area that were around Tony that I met at that event mm -hmm. uh, who would take me to little things when I was a teenager, kind of workshops, kind of like the one that where you and I met. And um, it was really interesting is I, I used it early on for, for um, I would say influence purposes, but it was like influence my teachers, influence the people <laughs> I worked for. Um, uh, most people say girls. It's not exactly where I was back then. Um, and it wasn't until later, you know, going back into Tony's environment after being away for a couple of years that the thought of coaching came up. And the truth is I, I owned a credit repair company and a comic book store and a mortgage company. And I kind of had a lot going on. And my coach was like, my coach who I had was like, pause, like, you know, this content, maybe you should get some coach training. And the original idea was I was going to do it so that I could be a better leader in my businesses. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that it would end up being my profession. It wasn't something I sought, mm -hmm. but it was something that was, that was in me. And after the first training, I thought, okay, I like this. I want more of this. Right. And that sort of led me down the path. What part of the training that like really like you're like, oh, I think this is what I was meant to do, like really hit you to your core. <laughs> That's another funny story. <laughs> um, I think I think because I was a student of personal development, um, I came into the coach training. It, there was a mix of people in this training. They took about 21 students per class and there was everything from HR directors to business owners to managers to some people that wanted to right. become coaches. And it was like 50-50. 
the middle of the class, you know, and um, I was really young, but it was clear after the first day and a half that what I had learned from going to Carnegie trainings and Zig Ziglar stuff and Tony and, you know, that I was applying some of those skills and people were giving me great feedback. And then the, the instructors gave me some really good feedback. And I thought, wow, okay, so maybe this isn't just a management skill thing, but it also felt really good like a week later to get an email from somebody who I was just in a class with saying, hey, there's a powerful session. Can I do some more sessions with you? And I was like, mm. sure. <laughs> you know, and over time, that feeling of like, man, I didn't just help that person get three more yards. Like we, we just, we just got a touchdown. Mm. Holy crap. Right. That was really cool. That, that feeling felt way better than training my salespeople at the mortgage company, even though I love them. Yeah. Um, it felt better than standing behind the counter at the comic book store, even though I still love doing that, by the way. Um, and, uh, I had to pay attention to that, you know, and it, it actually meant for a long time that I took a, a cut in income because removing myself from a couple of the businesses that I had partners in meant that I was going to make far less because I wasn't operating the business anymore. I was just an owner. Um, but I applied that time and energy to building my coaching business and, and I've never regretted it. You know, I'm 16, 17 years later, I'm still doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really love what you said. Like when we talked earlier, it's like going with that feeling, that gut feeling. And I remember that moment for myself, um, you know, I was doing so the the coaching program that I went through was calling in the one, it's, you know, a book with Catherine Woodward Thomas. And so I was, I wasn't even considering coaching at the time. And I was, a friend of mine had, had, had been single for eight years. And, and I was like, something's there. She's not telling the truth. And I don't know. I just like, we were, we had, we also worked together. And I said to her, I said, well, I said, what are you hiding? And I was like, what are you? What did you want this? What did you want this man to say to you in order to let you go? She's like, oh, I wanted him to marry me. I wanted him to ask me for my hand in marriage, and literally, she broke like broke down crying. And I thought I did something wrong, and I ran after her. She's like, no, that question is what I need to hear in order to break free from eight years of being single. And I was like, she was like, if you don't start coaching right now, you, I'm going to like hunt you down. And I was like, okay, I need to like pay attention to this because her, that breakthrough she had is the reason why she's like dating and putting herself in the game now after eight years. So that like, like you're so right. Like that feeling when somebody's having a touchdown and like their love life or the family or like financially, it's just like, like wow that I helped shift something over there with them in order to have this life you know making I guess making the world a better place you know well and there's like throughout the ages there's always been um the wise counsel or Mm -hmm. the shaman or you know (laughs) the elders in the village or that traveler that had experience that nobody in the village had that people would seek counsel from right and um, then it was like Dear Abby, right? People would write in <laughs> All right. for advice or they'd call radio disc jockeys and they'd yeah, share yeah. their stuff and they'd get collective communication back about what to right. do. The interesting piece is like you go pick up a book. Just, you asked a powerful question, right? One of the, one of the, the, the foundations, the core principles in, in what we do as coaches. Anybody can pick up a book of powerful questions, <laughs> right. but the right, but the right question asked with the right intention at the right time, because there's presence and there's an intuitive skill set, um, can create massive change. And I, I have, so I, I, I go to lunch with some of these older men in my community. I think they're a riot. You know, mm-hmm. one of them's like an old farmer, one of them, you know, and, and they, they're the older men that I like to see counsel from, right? We should all have coaches. And one of them is an old cabinet maker from Brooklyn. <laughs> he lives down here in Florida. He still does woodwork. His name's Ron, and and he's good. And and he said something to me that stuck with me for years, and it, it applies to this. He said, "Listen, Mikey, he goes, bro. You know, he talks things from Brooklyn, bro. <laughs> goes, you got to take the muffler off your intuition." 
I was like, yeah, I'm like, well, okay. What do you mean? And he said, look, an engine makes this loud, beautiful noise and it makes the car move. Well, what do we do? We quiet the noise. We put a muffler on it. He goes, you got this intuition that's like spot on and it's screaming at you. You mm. got to listen to it and trust it. He goes, you got a muffler on it. You want to quiet it and like get all up in your head. He goes, take the muffler off your intuition. Mm. Oh my gosh. That might be one of the coolest things I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Uh, and then you learn, you learn as coaches that like your intuition, the thing you want to blurt, the question you want to ask, the place you know you need to go because the client isn't saying something, right? What are you? What What did you ask? What are you hiding? Right? right? Like what's the thing you're not telling me? Like sometimes our intuition reads in between the things the client is saying, mm-hmm. and that's the space where we really and that's all intuition. Right, that's a huge piece. That's interesting that that's what kicked it off for you too. Right, and I just, it, I don't know, it just, it just came. Like, I, and sometimes, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm curious when that moment happens to ask that particular question, is there a fear? Because sometimes I'm like, oh my God, if I say this, I might cause an upset. Because um, I actually have, a, I was in, in talks with a new client today and I'm talking to him and I, and I, my gut was like, I said to him, um, you don't share yourself because you don't find yourself valuable. And like the phone went dead quiet. And I said, you don't share yourself with your parents because they don't get to know who you are. They don't get to know your love life. And I said, I guarantee you, your friends do not get the love that you are capable of giving because you are hiding as a gay man. And then he was like, yep. And I said, how are you generating that? And then he just like started saying all this stuff. And I was just like, and I was really nervous to even say it, but I was like, I I have to go there and deal with whatever's on the other side of that. And I'm just curious, like, do you ever have those moments not wanting to go there, but you gotta go there in order to like see what's on the other side? Oh, all the time. And, and, and you know, so what you have to remember is you're coaching their higher self, not their self that shows up. The call, right, 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 right. And so you, you call them forth and you're like, listen, man, like there's you that has all this fear. And then there's like the you that wants to be free and connected. That is, you know, that's in integrity. And I'm going to coach this guy. I'm leaving. Thing, <laughs> right. I'm leaving the fearful part or the gremlins you behind. I'm a coach over here. Where it shows up is like the last three minutes of the call. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, then you're like, ah, but sometimes you have to do it anyways, right? Yeah. And then you, you message the next client, hey, I'm going to be five minutes. You say, look, we got to talk later or tomorrow. Like, we're not leaving this. And you hold the client in that space. And sometimes they need to sit in it anyways for a little while, right. which is fine. But I, I, look, and it, it's like, um, I think you're going to get it right 70 or 80% of the time and 20 or 30% of the time, the client's going to go, yeah, no, that doesn't resonate with me. And as coaches, we just move, right? Okay, great. We threw some spaghetti at the wall. That didn't stick, right? That didn't stick. Let's see. um, Let's see what sticks, you know? Right. So, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and that's where we remove our ego and we just support whatever the client needs. Right. Right. if, if we're stuck on being right, then we're not being present with where the client. Right, and that definitely there's no place for, at least from my experience, like trying to be right in this conversation is not going to benefit yeah, no. either one of us. Uh, so I'm curious of like, how did you even get to work with Tony? Like, how does one, like, I mean, it just seems so like <laughs> over there, you know, like with, un, I guess I would say untouchable, you know, and, um, like, how did you even even have, how did the opportunity even present itself to you? Great. Um, so there's a couple of pieces at Robin. So there's there's Robin's research, which which maybe I would just call corporate, right? And, and inside mm-hmm. corporate, they have all sorts of teams, including a coaching team. And they're, they're employees of the company. They, Tony has, you know, this huge audience. They all want support. They go through events and afterwards working with someone consistently one-on-one helps them maintain their momentum because Tony isn't about like let's dabble in this he's like let's go and 
there's something called the law of diminishing intent, which says that even with your best intentions, after seven to ten days, if you don't take action towards something you intended to do, you'll likely go back to life as normal. Oh my god! And our whole idea—it just that makes so much sense. Seven to ten days, right? So. Tony was like, listen, I don't want people to come spend four days or seven days at an event, make all these changes from a, a congruent and powerful place, and then go back home and like life gets in the way. Not and not even with negative intention, just diminished intention. Mm. So if you're talking to a coach every seven to ten days and you know the call's coming, you're more likely to keep that momentum because you're accountable, you've got somebody to come back to. So they designed a coaching program. The coaches that are hired at Robbins, many of them have already been through Tony's stuff. They're they're in the environment. They come back and they crew or they get to know their team members. Then when there's a coach training that comes up, you know, they they submit. And if they've got good recommendations, they can go through the training. The training is intense. It's the longest event anybody can do with Tony. How long is it? Um, well, you've got a couple months of pre-training. And, and, and a free training. So they'll, they'll start with like 50 people and end up with like 15 at the end, right? right? So you go through like different phases. And one of the phases involves going to unleash the power within as a team and then staying another five days through a boot camp. And wow. can't tell you that boot camp, but it's intense. But that makes it a nine-day event. You go from four days with Tony, which is already intense enough, to like ending that and immediately going into a boot camp for another five days and it's just it is an immersion experience but you get if you're already a trained coach and you've got the skills they'll layer mm. tony's methodologies over that and you you come out the other side i mean you know stellar now the other side is that there's a whole group of people that support tony's live events mm. and it, it, it's called the senior leadership and trainer group and these are people who have done like all of Tony's mastery programs and they've decided they want to come back to learn the skills. Okay. They want to learn strategic intervention. They want to learn how to run teams. They want to learn and deepen an understanding of Tony's model. So they come back and it's, it's kind of like they volunteer, but they're provided a ton of training. And it's a, it's a laboratory where people are coming to change and they have clients, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and eventually, if you do really well, then you're made a trainer, and there's a whole other training process with that. I'm in both sides. I'm a coach for the company as well as a trainer, and I think what happened is I, I did this. I did the trainer and leadership side while I was in coaching and going through the programs, and when I went and got coach training, the stuff I was learning over here on the leadership side showed up oh, as, as wow. strong skills and tools in the coaching and that was just in coach training that had nothing to do with going through coaching with Robbins yet. But when the opportunity came to work for Robbins, because I had been on this side and I was interested in this side, it was just like a, a dream come true. Wow. And today to become a coach at Robbins, I mean, you, you have to have some, some coach training. You have to be familiar with Tony's content because you're coaching Tony's client. Right. And, um, they do trainings about every year and a half to two years and they, they open it up and, most of the time it fills up quickly with people that are kind of crewing in the environment or in and around the environment. And it, it's very much the whole like network your way in thing. If you send a resume, the likelihood is if it doesn't come with a recommendation, it's not right. going to see the top of right. the pile, you know? Right. Wow. Awesome. Wow. I didn't know that there was this whole other side of like just being, being there. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, Tony, Tony can't come off stage and work with everybody one hour. Uh, oh, of course not. All those people. <laughs> but at like at like a date with Destiny, Tony's outcome is everybody gets their breakthrough. So at like even at a date with Destiny, I mean, I think the one we had in December, we must have had a hundred trainers at that event. You know, there were almost wow. I think it was like thirty eight hundred attendees. Get a hundred trainers, a, a little over two hundred senior leaders, and they're all dispersed. And, and there's teams and Tony's mandate is you check in with everyone you check the work they're doing you check uh, because they, they do some writing exercises and some other things and it's all checked to make sure that whatever outcomes they said they wanted to get we're making sure that they've created a path for that mm -hmm. Tony wants to and I mean we're there just to give you a heads up David Destiny is a six day event and the trainers come five days before that to read mm -hmm. through questionnaires and prepare for their team so it is 
what people don't understand is the magic that happens behind the scenes. Right. And Tony created all this to make sure that everyone gets their outcome is unreal. Right. I mean, I, it's I, unreal. You get a glimpse of that in the the uh, I am not a guru when they're like, yeah. uh, I guess I guess your trainers wanted the red shirts and they're like reading off. I guess I'm assuming that each person has a hand, uh, um, I guess, application of each maybe person that they're in there. So let me I ask you, so each trainer has a group of 10 people that they're responsible for. And I guess they're meeting or, or is it, does it change in their meeting? And so that person, I guess, is responsible to know what's going on with that person, knows like what they want, what they're dealing with, and they're reporting back to Tony. Cause that's what, so I've kind of gathered when I was watching the movie. Yep. Um, okay wow they're like like wow this like i mean it's so great to like i mean i mean it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that level of commitment to that person's what they're there for because you're absolutely right like you know that momentum would easily lose if you don't um start to take action in place you know you know i did a lot of stuff at landmark and like you know if you don't make that shift and put something in place you immediately go back to that old way which is a good segue of like you know talking about core beliefs because that's really shifting the core belief and what people are used to operating you know yeah when you work individually with people like or how do you even get into the core belief? Like, do people even understand that they have a core belief that's running the show? Like, how do you even tackle that with people? Well, so our patterns in habits and our patterns and our daily actions leave clues to that, right? Right. <laughs> and and one of the things that, that I think will live on, you know, years, decades after Tony, you know, is, is gone are the frameworks that he set for uncovering that. Right. Right. So whether it's looking at how they go after their six human needs or looking at um, who they are as a whole and the change they want to create through what Tony calls the seven master steps. Right. So he's got a model that he follows. Um, and I'll tell you, we use it in intervention. We use it in coaching and it's, it's applied a little differently depending on what we're doing. But if you follow that framework and if you have an understanding of all the principles in it, you can very quickly understand the belief structure that somebody's running. Um, <clears throat> and then once you catch it, right, patterns show up. At, at, at Date with Destiny, there's a piece that Tony covers called Primary Question, which is like, what's the question behind all the questions that you're asking? If it's a resourceful question, it likely moves you into a great place. Mm-hmm. But if it's an unresourceful question, Right, like if you're constantly asking, how can I be safe? Right, so you're trying to meet the need the need for certainty with that question, right? Mm. You want to be certain that you're right. safe. And, and it may help you set up a life that's very secure and protected, but it also may create paranoia or have you questioned things, right. second-guessing things, right? Where if you ask a question like, how can I be grateful for what I have in this moment? How can I be even more grateful, Right. How can I express even more of God's love, joy, and peace in my life right now? Right? Those questions have a show up a very different way than how can right. I be safe? So when you start to uncover the questions that you ask on a regular basis, the values that are driving you, and not just the values, but the rules you have for how you feel that value, mm-hmm. right? So for, for you to be happy, it might be as simple as I woke up today. Right. For somebody else, it's like I got to wake up. The car has to be warm when I get in it. My latte better be made right. <laughs> All my paperwork better be right. And there are people with some really complicated rules for being happy. Yeah. And as you listen to them talk about their life and how they're going after things, you start to uncover these patterns. And as coaches, we have to become pattern recognition specialists. <laughs> I like that. Right? Yeah. You, you start to recognize certain patterns. And, and I think the blessing of being able to learn from Tony is Tony's laboratory has been the world for 40 years in every country, in every language. And what he's observed is that there are only so many patterns that show up in human behavior. And when you start to really uncover that, you can, you can create change pretty quickly. I know it's it's interesting because Catherine said the same thing. She's like, yeah, there's these, like, like she has a list of these, I think it's like 11, but she's like, but there's really like, very much and you'll start to see it quickly as you like become practice and you like 
recognize it. Even the guy I was with today, like, I was like, oh, that's what it is. And then I was just like, boom, boom, boom. And, and it was like, wow, you know, like you just start to recognize it. Even in my day to day, like I like I'll be talking to people, you know, and or or like I'm like single and dating, and I can just hear things like so when you when last time you date and they start telling me things and like oh, and in my mind I'm like okay, this is like what I'm dealing with in my mind. So I was like okay, oh, no, gotta say no to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is like what was your core belief that you had to sh- that really was a had a hold on you and that you had to work through and shift for yourself so uh by the way my old primary question was how can i be safe (laughs) for years i thought my old primary question was am i doing this right Mm. and i had i uncovered that question you know uh probably in like uh 2004 i went to a date with destiny in the early 2000s and um my second date with destiny and I covered that question and, and I, I operated from the belief that that was my old primary question. I went back to date with destiny at the end of 2015 and Tony took us through a process uh, around some things that he calls beautiful state. And I realized that there was more fear that this wasn't about doing it right. And uh, he took us back to some of our earliest memories mm. and the question came up, how can I be safe? I came from living in, um, a fairly volatile environment as a kid. Um, my parents did the best they could, trust me, with the resources they had. And and I love them both dearly. Mm. But, you know, like, I was I was unexpected. There were mixed families. My mom already had kids. My dad was figuring it out. And, and life just wasn't easy. And so, you know, they've learned new skill sets. But when I was younger, they maybe didn't have the skill sets to manage things appropriately. And it, it, it put us all in a state of fear for a little while. And that was a driver for me. So imagine you, you want success, but you're asking, how can I be safe? Well, all growth happens outside of your company. <laughs> right. So like you want to grow, but you're not willing to take the leap. You want it. It's, and eventually I went like, wait, I have every strategy. I have access to the best coaches. If I really wanted to, I could like just go drive a couple hours and knock on Tony's door. And if he's home, I'd probably get a conversation. Right. And yet, I found myself stuck in a couple areas in life, playing it safe. So I shifted that question, uh, and you know, it's only been a couple of years, and um, all areas of life are radically different. You know, I, I had some businesses, and I'm selling them. Um, one, I stayed in them because I knew them, and they were a passion. The truth is, the data tells me it's time to let them go. Big part of my, as a matter of fact, I, when I say big part of my identity, everything behind me is a comic book of some sort. Right? So <laughs> I've had comic book stores since I was since I was 18 years old. And yet, you know, the data tells me it's time to shift how I interact with that industry. So you let go of these businesses that have been part of your identity. Let go of a relationship. My, my ex-wife and I are super good friends. We're the best co-parents on the planet. But the truth is we both stayed in the relationship because it was safe. We've been, you know, we knew each other for 11 years. And... We were amazing, like, business partners and roommates, but the passion had gone <laughs> years ago. And when we both got honest about it, we were like, let's just be really good friends and not hate each other. We collaborate on stuff. I mean, it's super easy. She's coach, too. That's awesome. And, um, but you, you start to make different decisions when you're not worried about being safe anymore. Right? And the flip side is being safe met a need. It met a need for certainty. Um and it definitely met a need in some ways for significance because if I was safe, then I felt good. I created safety. And I had to find a new question that would also meet those needs. If you're going to replace it, you pull a question out that's meeting a need. The brain still wants those needs met. Right. So we had to create some new questions. And I found that question in looking at some of the strengths I've had since I was a child. Creativity, right? I went to art school. Charisma. I've been on stage since I was five. And, and by asking, how can I be even more creative, charismatic, authentic, and faithful? And I've been a person who sought faith in many ways since I was a small child, even when my family didn't. That question and the answers that I come up with when I ask that question in context send me in a whole new direction. Right? Because the opposite of being safe is having faith. Mm. 
right? Yeah. And having courage and using your creativity, right? To go create something new. You don't know. When it's a blank canvas, you have to have courage mm. to put something on it, right? The, the worst enemy of an artist is white paper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do next? <laughs> Overcoming that has been a more recent big deal. Um, and there's some other stuff that happened around wealth, right? And it's interesting that I got to teach wealth mastery and I, I coach yeah. her on that because overcoming what I think were, were remnants of, um, I, I might get shot for saying this, I'm saying like immigrant mentality where they come in and they're saying it's like the tall poppy syndrome. We can't be too successful or everybody else in the community will think such right. and such of us. I don't think my parents said that directly, but I think they inherited some of that from their parents who were all immigrants from Italy and, and Ireland. Um, it translated into my parents' patterns around wealth. We didn't want for a whole lot, but if, if you met my parents, you would assume that they had a level of success that they've never reached. Right. I mean, too, and it's also like when you're operating from that, what you're saying is that you're like, especially our parents sort of color this language that's been passed down to us then we started to develop this core belief of like we can't be too successful because we don't want to be you know found out or, or whatever you know it is and we don't realize that this language has been passed down to us then we're then we're saying that same language around being safe i can't you know show off too much i can't you know take that risk because i don't want people to be found like found found me out you know a lot of us don't a lot of people don't realize that that is what is stopping them. Uh, that core right. belief, like you know, especially getting the—I don't know if it's the right core belief, but the the big one. I, I think we have there's multiple ones, but that particular one was your—I guess your one—that unraveled every sort of, I guess maybe everything else. Yeah, that that was a big deal. It's um. Tony's brilliance in figuring out that how we process really is by asking and answering questions. He's like, if there's an unresourceful question going on back there, like a broken record, uh, how many times is it directing you <laughs> into an area? And the tricky thing is some of those questions serve you in some way, right? Like the question of, am I doing this right? Why I triple check things? I made sure the details <laughs> were buttoned up. Probably made me a little OCD about cleaning my house, but it has you questioning and second guessing and in uncertainty at all times. Mm. So there's a balance. Mm. So you, you design the new question and then through incantations and new habits and new practices, journaling and putting it, you know, on your phone background, whatever you got to do, you start to integrate that new question. Right. And, and, and it, it's, it's a transformative process, but it all boils down to you're doing work around beliefs, right? You're doing work around beliefs at the end of the day. And, and why is growth important? Um, you know, I mean, I find a, a lot of men that I coach or even talk about, like, just so resistant um, and unwilling to even look within themselves. Like, from your experience, like, why do a lot of men resist this sort of growth work? <laughs> uh, number one, ego. <laughs> um, but, but but even a healthy ego can sometimes overact to protect and mm. so so now we get into like some of the core principles of, of what we've learned around people's psychology around growth and change right so one the unconscious mind runs the show right so it's making a heartbeat our lungs move things happen in our body without us having to think about it and the prime directive of the unconscious mind is to preserve the body, mm. i.e. to keep us safe. And the challenge with that um, is that it's averse to change, right? It Change right. equals bad. As a matter of fact, you know who did a really good job of expressing this recently was Brene Brown. Um, On... On her neck, like the, the brain thinks like good, bad, hero, evil. The, and that's the unconscious mind, right? It's, it's a five-year-old child. It thinks in imagery. So when you start to take a deep look in, it's like, whoa, wait, you're 
not supposed to peek behind the yes. curtain. I don't want you to see the great and powerful Oz, right? I just want you to see the image up here. And if you stay there too long, the challenges, and this comes from a needs belief, right? Tony believes that there are six human needs. There's the four basic needs, right? Certainty, the paradox has uncertainty. We want love or connection. The paradox of that is significance. One's external, one's internal, right? Those are the four, what he calls primal needs. The two needs of the spirit are growth and contribution. Everybody at some level wants to grow, become more, learn a new skill, feel like they're becoming more, and then they want to leave a legacy or contribute. And if we don't feed that need, what happens if you stop watering a plant? I mean, it it dies. It's not so sufficient. (laughs) If you're not growing, you're dying. Dying. Right? And, And some people are just like... They were born and they accepted that they were on a path to death the whole time without figuring out that there was life to live in the process. And I think the resistance is, well, I'm safe. I I can extend this as long as I can, as long as I'm safe. But they're never going to feel alive Mm. unless they take that risk and, and accept some growth. And that's different for everyone. But growth is a need. And I think for men in particular... There are so many social constructs. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> which, which I which I love that they're all being broken apart. Like and seemingly quickly lately. Right, yeah, I know. Um, and I I I fucking love it for one. <laughs> like I have a daughter. I want her to grow up thinking that she's as powerful, if not more powerful, than any dude on this planet. Right, right. right. And I want guys and I want guys who don't feel like being a power god. To be soft and intuitive, like I couldn't do this work if I didn't have that side. Mm. You, you, you can't be like—I shouldn't say you can't—but I've seen challenge with men who, who have a hard time accessing their softer, genuine, nurturing side. Be effective coaches. You got to develop that. Tony talks about it too. Yeah. Um, I love that all this stuff's getting broken down, but I think some of them are operating under like old rule like they're running windows 98 and it's time to get like osx right? like right like why are you running windows me right like, like cut it and I, I i so i just went and saw um some comic book fan so i want to the avengers, avengers. <laughs> and I, no spoilers because somebody may not see this, <laughs> but i'll say this you want to talk about breaking down some constructs oh is it that good Marvel always does that. They they have no fear in diving in and commenting on what's happening in our world, right? And um, and they take a really good perspective, and it's it's fantastic to see. <laughs> I that. like the way you put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. But I, I think that's the challenge for men is they they're operating on old programming. Yeah, thinking that they they have to be a certain way or do a certain thing. What was it? Wow. Okay. So, semi-spoiler, I'm going to take this straight from Avengers. Hang on, I'm looking this up. Um, So, there's a point where Thor is talking to his mom. And she says something really interesting. Um... I do, I do want to, because this this ties into what we're talking okay. about here in a beautiful way. Um, she says something along the lines of like, when you let go of being who you're supposed to be, mm. then as a hero, you can show up as who you are. Mm. And if my mother gave me that advice when I was ten, mm. life would be life. Life would have been different. And I think I'm circling back to that. And I think if some men would listen and say, "Listen, there's who you think you're supposed to be, and then there's who you are." So if you just be present with who you are, yeah, and get comfortable with that, and sometimes it means be present with it first, then figure out how to be comfortable with it, then figure out how to live in it. It might be a learning process because right. you've been. So many masks on for so long, the only way you know how to operate and occur to other people is if you put that mask on. You gotta take right. it off. 
I let's mean, take it off. And I, I think that's the struggle with most men with, with doing growth work. So you is said, they want to do it with masks and shields and swords ready to fight. It's like lay down the battle. So if you let go of who you think you're supposed to be, then you can show up to the hero that you are. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's for me. And so many things come to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is Eckhart Tolle. And so he, he and Oprah did 10, 10, a 10 part series. And he talks about that. He says, when you can let go of the identity you have created, then you can actually show up to be who you are for people and yourself. So any ident- if anything identify, I am like being a tough man. I am a mom. I am a dad. I am a father. And when you can, because all those are roles. And so when you can really let go of the role and stop playing into the role, then you can actually show up to be the person you need to be for whoever, whenever, anytime, in any space. And it's like that, I don't know, that was really moved by what you just said too, you know, and um, and it's really beautiful. And I and I do think, and I do see that a lot of the, the constructs of men are being broken down and all the masks. And it's also Lewis Hughes has a book, the, the Book of Masculinity. He like, I mean, literally put himself to the ringer and breaking all those masks down and what we wear and the consequences of like wearing these masks and how it does not serve us anymore. And it's all, it's like what you're saying before, like, you know, a lot of men operating in windows, <laughs> like 2000, like 1995. And it's like, okay, we need to like step into like 2010 and 19, sorry. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and put on the new operating system because it's, it's outdated and it's not serving us. And it's coming down hard on men a lot. Um, and it's something interesting you said too that I remember when Tony said this in I Am Not a Guru, he would say, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energy. Um, and I remembered, like, I was, hmm, that's interesting. So I'm going to ask men this question. And I said, do you think we have masculine and feminine energy? And they go, no. Like, immediately they denied that we have this other side of us. And I was like, okay, you know, there's this whole, um, attachment to what man should be and that's not a part of who we are we, there's no way that we can have this part of us but you just demonstrated like to be a whole person I mean that is being a whole man a whole human being that masculine and feminine energy how do you deal with that when you're coaching men you know one is to recognize that it's a range, right? Mm-hmm. And we all have access to both sides of it. The question is, where's your center of gravity? Right. How do you figure that out? Well, part of it's like being honest with yourself. Oh, side note. What? Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. <laughs> the, me- the measure of a person or of a hero is how well they succeed at being who they are. Mm. That's the quote. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the, the piece of masculine feminine energy. And, and I love that Tony brought this up because for years, you know, there were these like constructs that we were operating from. Like, oh, if you're straight, then the male is masculine, the female is feminine. Uh, no. And if you're gay, then you must be feminine. Uh, no. no. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, oh, and by the way, if you're gay men, you're feminine. If you're gay women, you must be masculine. Yeah, that, no. no. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is, the polarity, the dynamic between masculine and feminine energy is what keeps any relationship alive. And Tony uncovered this and, and started working with And he uncovered it by researching other people's work and then figuring out how he wanted to teach it, which is mm. live examples in an audience. Um I had another uh, another coach, um, um, fantastic coach, uh, my friend Lisa. She has a book out, and, and she positions it differently. She said, "Look, sometimes I'm in hustle, and sometimes I'm in flow." 
And I love wait, hold on, wait, say that again. <laughs> she said, sometimes I'm in hustle and sometimes I'm in flow. She's like, she's like, I'm a woman, I'm feminine. She's like, I'm a radiant feminine goddess. And like, yes, I can be a little edgy. She goes, but I'm not going to call it masculine. She said, that's just my hustle. I can hustle in high heels. And she said, then I can go into flow. And I love that dynamic of like, maybe we get into hustle and flow because the challenge with masculine and feminine is people automatically want to assign it gender. Yes. And what we're talking about here is energy. It's a dynamic of hustle and flow, you know, and, and when it comes to men figuring that out, one thing is they have to understand that we're not talking about gender, we're talking about energy. And in a relationship, the importance of figuring it out isn't to label you, it's to find the polarity that's going to work. Mm. If you happen to have a feminine nature, you may need a more masculine partner to balance that energy out in the relationship, yeah. right? And if you have two masculines, you've got to be aware of that so that you can come to a place where there's agreement and not right. war. And it's like, it's right. It's like, it's really understanding both, both polarities and where to use it and where not to use it. And like, you can re like really use it to your advantage to create whatever you want to be whoever you want or to, you know, balance out the dynamic in any relationship. Yes. Any, any relationship. Right. Any relationship. You've got a partner who is a corporate executive and this person is in hustle or what we call masculine energy 80% of the day. They come home and to turn that off may be a challenge for them. Yeah. Right. And so if their partner understands that dynamic and they say, look, I'm going to create a space where there's flow and, and where there's a bit of femininity to balance that and soften, it's kind of like they can catch them softly. Versus meeting them with more ma and and that energetic flow is yeah. what keeps a relationship alive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, it can flip flop. Yeah. And if you start talking about intimacy, you can have a partner who's completely masculine and who loves that in their work and in how they occur normally. And then when they get in the bedroom, they may want it the other way. And you've got to figure it out. <laughs> you know? And, and so it, it's a matter of awareness of polarity and energy and how does the pendulum swing yes. between masculine, masculine and feminine energy in you and in the relationship and then within contexts inside right. the relationship. <laughs> right. And the more you create an awareness around it and dial it in, the better you and your partner can create a relationship where right. that dynamic comes back and forth. And, and it's it's so important to look at and, and it starts with like being aware of where your stuff is. Yeah. Uh, little, little shift that why, why do you have a coach? Why is it important for you to Ooh. have a coach? <laughs> Look, you know, I, I think it's extremely important for us as, as coaches to have a coach once so that we're experiencing the process and the evolution of what we do through being in the process because coaching has changed over the years. And as a profession, still young, you know, and, right. I, and I think it's going to continue to evolve. It's, it's widely accepted. Companies see the ROI in it. You know, Harvard Business Review has done tons of studies on it. I'm starting to see like more businesses like hiring coaches. And I was like, wow, that's just like really yeah. pulling for it. Look, I'll, I'll give you a list of companies that that we have worked with that, that I know, you know, have no problems with the sharing. So and then other companies that have internal coaches that I know of and, and I'll mix it up so nobody knows who's who. Okay. But I'll say this. You know, Zappos has openly talked about having internal coaches. I'm friends with. Uh, the lady I mean, they're like the number one the company in like yeah. customer service. Like, I mean, yes. holy crap. <laughs> so Zappos, Tesla, Microsoft, Comcast, uh, Depcom, they're a huge solar company. Um, all of these, well, you know, Compass, Keller right. Williams, or all these companies, uh, they hire coaches to come in and do work. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, the whole mobile industry. Uh, companies like Salesforce were built on coaches working with their executives. Wow. Needs. Oracle, um, uh, Outreach, you know, they're a huge sales enablement platform. All these companies uh, operate with, with internal coaches um, and talk about the ROI of coaching inside their organizations. Um, 
every great coach, and I'd say at this point, most great leaders have a coach. They have an outside perspective of someone who's listening to their language, checking in, and I'm a big fan of like, I eat my own cooking. If I owned a restaurant, I would eat. <laughs> I like that. Um, I, I have the privilege of having some private clients, but you know, almost everything that I do is for Tony and I love it. And I have a Robin's coach and it's important for me to, to continue in coaching, to eat my own cooking, to keep myself in check. Mm. Um, and I like to be a client when I'm a client. I don't want to be the coach. Right. <laughs> I want to be able to bring my stuff to the table and get perspective and be challenged. And when you let go of a question like, how can I be safe? It's important to have someone who can hold a safe space for you mm. and challenge you in it for your own growth and for your own good. Wow. And, um, I love that. Love that. And that's, you know, my, my coach holds space. And he's got some boxing gloves in that space time to time. <laughs> and, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Right. So out of respect to your time, uh, I'm going to ask you the last couple of questions. Uh, and it's like little quick questions. So what does a life of love mean to you? Ooh. <laughs> a life of love means waking up every day and absolutely finding joy when I look in the mirror first. Oh. Oh. Because in order for me to be in a loving relationship, I have to love myself 100%. Mm. And when I do that, I can attract someone who loves themselves 100%. And then we're bringing 100% of ourselves to the relationship. Yes. Versus saying, I'm 80% there and I need you to fill me up. Mm. That shit doesn't work. Hell no. <laughs> yes. And, and for my four-year-old daughter, I so every day pray that she loves herself mm. yeah so I have to do that yeah well thank you for sharing that man thank you yeah um, how do you get out of your own way as a coach <laughs> one um, I move while I'm coaching what do you mean um, get up and walk <laughs> Look, I kid you not Look, okay so these are my just having to these are my three headsets. The one that three? I oh. the batteries, bro. This is seven hours. This is seven hours. These are like three. And then I got wired headsets. But the reason I have is I gotta be mobile, right? And so some like if I go outside for a minute and get some fresh air, I want noise canceling to respect my client. I'm always taking notes on the iPad or typing, but I move. One, like use your body, because that's where your intuition speaks to you most. Two, in between each call. Hit a reset button. I go jump on my rebounder. I got a little trampoline back there. Jump on my rebounder for five minutes. And then I do a magic minute where I think about the next client. I go over their questionnaire. What are their outcomes for the call? And totally get in state for that client. I don't have a mm. coaching state necessarily. I know the things I need to bring to coaching in terms of presence. But then I get in state for each client. That helps me not bring my agenda or too much of myself, mm. but be in that client's energy when they come to the call. Right. Um, and I think that's really important. And those kind of help me get out of my own way and, and be present for the client. Great. Awesome. Great. Great. Um, what does a juicy love life looks like to you? Ooh. So a juicy <laughs> love life uh, is a balance of light and dark. Oh. Uh, can't be afraid of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking, speaking your mind about what you want, kind of what you, what what Eugene was telling you, like don't don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Yeah. Um, and it means like finding adventure in doing housework, <laughs> as well as like going and traveling. Like, if if you can make your partner sexy while they're cleaning the dishes, you're good. Yeah. Right. And and I have this friend Fred West. He's a coach too. He's got like eleven kids, maybe twelve. I think. At this wow. Point. And he always, when he does public speaking, he's like, I find my wife sexy. And like, he declares it, he owns it, he chases that woman, that's why they have 12 kids. <laughs> and and I, I think in a world where, uh, you know, people don't talk about that a lot, it's important to, uh, it's important to own it. Yeah. Awesome. And, and to declare it. Like, if you think your partner is hot, flip and tell him and or her and everybody else. And yeah. if if you're excited about being in the relationship, celebrate it. Like, don't be don't be quiet about it. Like, right. keep it juicy. I, um, I yeah, and I lots of that. sex. I think I, lots of sex. 
<laughs> I hear you. You know, and that's one thing I love about the Italian culture. And I, are you Italian or what's your culture? Half Italian, half Irish. Right. <laughs> like, it's, well, both cultures, they, there is, every moment is like an opportunity to celebrate life. And that's what I really love about both the Irish and the Italian. And I just like really like to take that on too. And I just really love what you just said. Just like declare it and, you know, celebrate every moment that you can. Uh, so where can people find you online <clears throat> or where can people find you a coach with you? <laughs> so the best thing is TonyRobbins.com forward slash coaching in all honesty. Um, you know, we do some trainings and other stuff and, and every once in a while, if they find me on my Facebook page or, or they check out core coach, like for some training stuff. Um, I also do a ton of free content through goalsetting.org. So goalsetting.org is a resource of personal development stuff that's that's really just tidbits for people that are just getting started in personal development. Mm -hmm. And I do what they call, I do their Growth Friday. So every Friday I do about okay. a 20 minute video podcast um, on everything from productivity to goal setting to goal tracking to identity. It's just like free content every Friday. We call it Growth Fridays. Growth Friday. And, um, and the reason we're doing it for free is there's a lot of people out there that are just getting started. They want to taste and and it's an organization of people that are coming together to say this is work that needs to be spread right if they want to go do deeper work i mean you know look the reason i i've been with tony for so long is there's the best of the best right i've seen a lot of people in this industry and tony is like not from this planet he's so good at what he does and <laughs> he is. the training the training not only myself but that all the coaches go through at robin's puts them in a position to really create some change with people and i have a firm belief that while you may like the things that that mike is saying or that jimmy's saying there's a process to find the right coach which is to to go through a questionnaire to look at like your disc assessment and then to to figure out if your communication style and your outcomes match with the right coach i have a lot of people that come to me because i'm on stage and i'm not the right coach for them like my communication style and my habits are not what's going to serve them. And, and, you know, what's great is we come from an industry where most of us come from abundance and, and we're thinking like, look, you got to go check in with some other coaches, do some interviews, find the right match. And um, I think Robbins does a great job of that. So I think it's a great yeah. place for people to check in. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, I just, like I feel like I was in school with you. <laughs> like really, <laughs> you know. And um, I just want to just acknowledge you. I mean, first of all, just saying yes, and I was just so excited and thrilled just to like just be in your presence again and like just just soak you up because you're just such an incredible person that just have so much to give. And I just see, and I just know that your clients just get the best of the best because you are with the best. And he's, I mean, I just, just thank you for being who, who you are. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. I, I'm going to say this, you know, I was super excited when you reached out and, and so I'm going to tell on you a little bit. So uh -oh. <laughs> we, I go to this event in New York and, and it's, you know, Compass, you know, LitVac team, he's putting on a real estate training. And I guess they posted this somewhere publicly. And so Jimmy finds his way into this, this training. <laughs> well, okay. So, well, let me cut you off. So I, I was looking, yeah. I was, I was considering doing Tony Robbins and I was looking right. and I've looked up Tony Robbins so much, but this one day I saw this other ad and I was like, free event. And I was like, what is that? So I yes. kept on it. It had no information. I said, yes. And I was like, okay we'll see if this legit if it's not legit i'll just walk out you know <laughs> and but not only did you came you came with trust boldness you put your hand up you interacted you asked what you wanted you got your breakthrough we don't talk about what happened <laughs> breakthrough. and and then you continued on the path and so what i would say is anyone that's listening regularly that's in your circle like if you're looking for boldness and wanting to open up and, and looking for breakthrough. Like this is somebody who I know has done that in a room of people that he didn't know with total trust and faith. And it, so if you want like a coach who walks their talk, like I, I witnessed it firsthand.
And so, you know, for the people that you're looking to reach, this is my endorsement to say they should be talking to you. They should be reaching oh, out thank to you. Because you, you, you're not just someone who does this. You, your feet moved in that direction. Yeah. And and that's what you want to coach. That's what you want somebody that you're working with. Yeah. Oh, so, thank you so it much. Was <laughs> awesome when you reached out because I was like, I, I, I have a love for this guy. And I can't wait to see what we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast and I will offer you a discount on a seven week session. Crazy, juicy love.